You are listening to Mrs. Miracle's Music Room Podcast, episode number two. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to talk to you today about the Kodai philosophy. This is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I started my Kodai training in 2000 and finished it up in 2004 in Hungary at the Kodai Institute in Kecskemét. And um, it's just something that has really grown me as a teacher to be able to take that training and continually go to conferences and go to workshops that are focused on Kodai. I've also been able to teach at a couple different Kodai programs, uh, levels programs, both at Colorado State University and at DePaul University. And it's just something that I feel really passionate about. My students wouldn't be able to do what they do every day had it not been for my training. So today's episode um, will include an interview with my friend Carla Chirwinski. We're going to talk about what the Kodai-inspired classroom looks like in, in her classroom. I thought about just talking, you know, from my perspective, what that looks like. And I thought it would be good just to get another perspective. I know that Carla and I are pretty similar teachers, but you know she has some experiences that I don't, and I thought it would be good to hear what it looks like for her. But first, I wanted to talk to you about the Kodai philosophy in general. It's really hard to just kind of narrow it down, especially in like a you know 20, 25-minute podcast, what exactly is the Kodai philosophy. But if I had to summarize it, um, I would say that first and foremost, the joy, joy in music making and joy in the classroom is so important. In a Kodai inspired classroom, you'll see a lot of singing. Um, we focus on a child's own instrument first. We focus a lot on what's called the musical mother tongue or the child's native language um, because the folk songs are accessible and help us understand our own heritage. And this is gonna look different depending on what kind of population you have. Kodai once said, to write a folk song is as much beyond the bounds of possibility as to write a proverb. Just as proverbs condense centuries of popular wisdom and observation, so in traditional songs, the emotions of centuries are immortalized in a form polished to perfection. I love that quote. So we use a lot of folk songs because they're accessible, they're easy to sing, and it helps us connect with our heritage. We also focus a lot on literacy. So you'll see a lot of, you know, melodic and rhythmic practice in a Kodai-inspired classroom. And here's another quote from Kodai. We should read music in the same way that an educated adult will read a book, in silence, but imagining the sound. So like I said, you'll see a lot of focus on, on those rhythmic and melodic concepts. Um, a lot of people get confused and they just think of Kodai as the hand sign philosophy. And you will see a lot of Kodai inspired teachers using hand signs, but hand signs are a tool. They're not, you know, what defines the philosophy. And I actually know some Kodai trained teachers who don't use hand signs. So it really depends on the teacher. You'll see a very sequential curriculum. And here's another quote from Kodai. He said, nowadays, it is no longer necessary to explain why it is better to start teaching music to small children through pentatonic tunes. First, it is easier to sing in tune without having to use semitones or half steps. 
Second, the musical thinking and the ability to sound the notes can develop better using tunes which employ leaps rather than stepwise tunes based on the diatonic scale often used by teachers. So in a typical Kodai inspired classroom, you'll see, you know, we start with those musical comparatives or the musical opposites in kindergarten. And then in first grade, we move on to Tan, TT, and So Me. So we start where um, a lot of folk songs start with, you know, the easier folk songs will use a lot of ta and tt or quarter and eighth notes as well as um, that minor third um, and then it going at going to la from there so and you we just keep building that sequence from there instead of you know the kind of the old school way of teaching is just to teach them the whole major scale maybe in first grade and then you just keep practicing and practicing and practicing practicing because it's so hard for them to understand how to sing that and how to hear that you know from the very beginning and then you'll also see a lot of um, a lot of different activities with smooth transitions. And this is based on the best educational philosophies of Kodai's time, where we're focusing on several different learning styles, physical, visual, aural, but then it's adapted since with the best educational philosophies of today. In a lot of Kodai-inspired lessons, instead of singing, seeing one song for the whole lesson, you'll see several different songs. But then, you know, if I use Rocky Mountain in one lesson, I'm going to bring that back in another lesson and in another lesson and in another lesson. But in each lesson, we're doing something different with it. And I also wanted to touch upon what Kodai is not, because I think that there are some misperceptions out there, and I, I thought it'd be good to just talk about them briefly. Kodai is not rigid. Um, that's probably the one that I hear the most um, often is that Kodai is this method. It's this way, you know, prescribed way of doing things, and it's totally not. Um, if you've ever been to a Kodai conference or a Kodai workshop, you'll hear so many different ways of doing things. Um, we really focus on um, the philosophy and on um, the thoughts behind, the, you know, the, the philosophy and not on you know, Tantiti has to be taught here, and so me has to be taught first. Um, it's not rigid. You'll you'll see so many different ways of approaching um, the sequence. It is not only singing. Um, some people think that in a Kodai-inspired classroom, you will only see singing and you won't hear instrument playing, but that's not true at all. I get my instruments out pretty often. Um, but Kodai's quote um, about singing using singing first is to teach a child an instrument without first giving him preparatory training and without developing singing, reading, and dictating to the highest level along with the playing is to build upon sand. So we want to start with the child's own voice and make sure that's solid before we add instruments. So like I said, it's not that we don't add instruments at all, it's just that we start with singing first. And then I, I the third miss conception that I hear is just that Kodai is outdated and really isn't. I mean, I talk to a lot of different Kodai-inspired teachers every day, and um, people have really found a way to bring in all of those, you know, 21st century skills and um, STEAM, and you know, which you'll actually hear Carla and I talk a little bit about um, data tracking, all of that into a Kodai-inspired lesson. Um, so you, you'll see a lot of Kodai trained teachers who are using technology, a lot of technology, using iPads, you know, using the smart board quite a bit, using all these different composing tools online and all that kind of stuff. So we're really able to adapt and bring in those awesome new tools and still have the foundation 
of Cook Philosophy. So I'm going to go ahead and dive into this interview with Carla. She and I met way back when at Capital University, and we were also able to teach together at Colorado State University, which was such a joy. So I know you're going to um, really enjoy hearing what Carla has to say, so here it is. So I'm really happy to be talking to my good friend, Carla Truwinski. Carla and I go way back to Capital University. We met in the Kodai program there, but Carla, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, where you teach? Great. Well, it's wonderful to be with you. Um, we met, like I said, back at Capital. That was a while ago when I was working um, in the program and you were taking levels classes. Yes. I'm very fortunate that... Um, I've been teaching for 24 years, and I was introduced to the philosophy in college, so I've really never known another way. I teach at Indian Trail Elementary, where um, I do kindergarten first and second grade. I have taught K-6 through six in Lancaster, Ohio, but I've been doing this gig here in Canal for 19 years, I believe. And I also teach um, Level 3 at the Kodai Institute at Capital. started that last summer, so really excited to be a part of that. Um, I'm a Capital grad, went to OSU for my master's, and got my Kodai certificate um, from the Kodai Institute at Capital, and was introduced to the philosophy, like I said, back when I was an undergrad by the amazing Dr. Sandra Mathias, so I'm very fortunate that I fell upon this when I did. Yes, for sure. Um, so you learned about it in your undergrad, but what excited you the most when you first started learning about Kodai? Well, for me, it was just so kid-friendly. Like, Anytime I saw Dr. Matthias working with students or videos, I was like, wow, these kids are so engaged and having such a great time. And the teacher was having such a great time. It was fun. It wasn't like it was a job um, because they were so engaged and everyone was just playing and singing. And there's so much joy and the music making at the center of all of this and building that joy and love of music. So no matter what you do in your life, that music hopefully stays with you and you can support the arts in so many different ways. And that's really what got me excited about teaching with this philosophy way back when. Yes, I had a similar experience, just the joy. It's wonderful. Yep. All right. Yeah. So um, thinking about like a typical second grade Kodai-inspired lesson, can you describe that to us? Yeah, so my kids are very much um, familiar with the routine and the expectation. I think that is key to um, being able to use your time as efficiently as possible as having some sort of a routine, how you, how you always start class. It doesn't be exactly the same thing, but for mine, it works really good. The students come into my room, and they automatically make a circle and join up hands, and they just wait for me to give them the next direction. Usually, we begin um, with a well-known game song just to get our voices going and to get rid of any of the other baggage that maybe coming with them into my classroom and just be like, hey, let's have a good time and sing together. Um, oftentimes then I'll give like an overview of the lesson, like kind of like, well, here today is our plan. Here's what we're going to try and get through. And then I'll go into a high focus song, something that is um, an elemental work, either rhythm or melody, something that's like a really main focus for the lesson. And we'll play a song and then do some board work or some activity or game with that. And then um, I'll usually go to something a little more relaxing, having movement involved in it. Just, you know, these are second graders. They can't sit the whole time there and getting them up and moving, right. um, I found to be successful. Then I'll come back and do another um, high-focus song or activity. In that same, if I started with melody, I would still be doing melody. Um, and then I would transition to the opposite. So if I started with melody, I would go to a rhythm focus for the next activity after that. Um, 
again, bringing in that song and gameplay is a little relaxation time for their brains, but then bring them back to um, concentrating on that element with you know, some board work or some flashcards, um, all tied together with slick transitions throughout the whole lesson as best I can do. Um, and then we line up, and I always pick a star student at the end of our class, someone that was really on the mark for that day or maybe someone yes. has been struggling with finding their head voice or something and they nailed it today right. and they get the recognition in front of their peers and they do a little smart board activity and get a sticker and then line up and it's time to go yeah I that also was a really quick overview yeah that's it no it's uh, very well articulated um and just a little side note I also do star student and I think I got my idea for having them you know get the reward from the smart board from you. So thank you for that. Oh, well, sure. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So um, tell us about an aha moment you had as you went through your training or as you have taught that has to do with the Kodai philosophy. So that's tough. I mean, there's lots of aha moments. Um, being someone who's taught now, you know, for I guess uh, quite a long time, 24 years is, is a long time. I'm thinking of a most re the most recent one for me, and that has been um, – actually come through our district initiative to um, in, in, um, initiate um, PBL and STEM um, activities and initiatives into our classroom. And for me, it really made me look at how I was questioning my kids, making the students responsible for the knowledge rather than me telling them that, right. um, and asking deeper questions, um, things that... Um, have them explain how they know their answer. You know, if we're doing whole group lesson, which, you know, at the smart board, you know, let's say we're working on so's and me's, you know, is this a so me, so me pattern? One of my favorite games is could it be so me, so me? Mm -hmm. And having them tell me how they know the answer, yes or no, it is or not. And then how do you know it? And I'm looking for some key things like, well, if so is on a line, me is on the line below or something like that. Or if right. it's not, I've seen like, well, they totally get it that they can tell me why it's not. Well, so is on a line, but me is on the space below. And that cannot happen because they're a skip apart. Right. Having them use that language, I have seen a big like, whoa, their depth of learning is so much more. And that then carries over into the next elemental work that we're going to do when we bring law in it just, boom, came right back. And I was impressed that they were able to have that depth of understanding and apply it to a new concept. And I really think it was about the type of questions that I was asking and making them the responsible learners. So that's kind of been like, whoa, how yeah. cool is that? And then I've you know, done some assessments, and the data is backing up since I changed um, the way that I've been questioning them in class, doing our formative and summative assessments, they're getting it. And the data is saying, yes, it's there. So that's pretty, pretty inspiring to continue doing that. Yes. And Carla and I have had um, several conversations about data and data tracking because we both have been yep. through the SLO process um, mm -hmm. in Ohio, in the state of Ohio. And uh, we've had several conversations, right, about, you know, tracking right. data and how interesting it is to look at that data and to really see you know, how they've yeah. grown. Yeah, it's been awesome. Because you think you know it. You know, like, oh, yes. they're getting it in class. And we as teachers know what we're looking for. Right. But to, but to be able to have the hard data to be like, yes, they're getting it, and pull that out and share it with your administrators or your other teachers in the district. Yes. I mean, it just validates what you're doing. And, for sure. Um, empowers you, at least to me. It empowers me. Like, look, they are learning. I, You know, some of my principals and teachers could not do what these second graders are doing. Right. That's true. No. All right. Very cool. Um, so 
I, for me, I think that um, if, if I wanted to explain the Code of Philosophy to somebody, um, looking at his quotes is a really great place to start because I think that really encapsulates so much of the philosophy. So which of Kodai's quotes is your favorite and why? Well, I actually, if I may take a little liberty, I have two favorite quotes. Sure, of course, yeah. Um, so the first one, um, and I'm, I didn't, I don't remember which of the selected writings or where I learned this. It's been with me for a long time, but the quote is, often a single experience will open the young soul to music for a whole lifetime. And that was one of the first quotes that I came across when I began studying this back at the end of my undergrad and then if I worked on my Kodai certificate. And it really makes me think that every time I see those kids, every time, whatever, one time might trigger something in their brain or in their experience that really is meaningful and brings joy and that could set them on a different path. So while I'm teaching the same lesson 12 times, I have to remember, this is the first time my kids are getting this experience. And I have to give them my all and do nothing but the best with them because you never know what one experience to them is going to you know, really open up their, their whole mind for the rest of their life. It's really empowering to me to think yeah. of that. So that's one of my favorite ones. And the second one um, is a pretty pretty common one. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, it talks, Kodai was talking about when to start music education when he was asked about that. And he said, nine months before the birth of the child. Yes. Moreover, nine months before the birth of the mother. Yeah. And that was just like, whoa. You know, and I think back to my experience. Me personally, my mom was not a trained musician. My grandma was not a trained musician, but we sang all the time, mm-hmm. usually hymns from church. And my mom would play little, you know, childhood songs on the piano. And we just sang a lot. And music was always there. The radio was on. We were listening to that. We didn't go to concerts and stuff a lot. We didn't have a lot of extra money to do those kinds of things. But the radio and the TV, I mean, I can remember watching Hee Haw and Lauren's Book. And I just think having that music as a part of me, you know, as a part of my mom's experience, then came to me. And now as a mom of a 13 and a 15-year-old, it's really cool to see that transfer to my own kids. I'm super excited. My daughter Stella was writing a paper, and she had to choose um, a topic of her own. I had no influence, and her topic that she chose was why should music be a part of the school's curriculum? How does it help the learning of the whole child? And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Stella, of course, I was like, yeah, write that paper. But we came upon this quote, and at first she didn't get it. She was like, hmm, and she thought about it. And then she was like, so that means everything that you know has impacted me. Because if you're, it was just very powerful to hear a 13-year-old who obviously is in a very, um, rich musical environment her dad is a musician as well so but you know it happens young and it's yes. you know never too young to start that being said it's never too late to start either you know right. if it's something that you know a child doesn't come upon until kindergarten or even third or fourth grade whenever or in band when they start in sixth grade it's never too late you know right it's just it's we have to take that opportunity and realize that it's so impactful on their entire life. So those two quotes have been something that have always stuck with me as I've gone through my teaching and read more about Kodai's philosophy and his selected writings. So if anybody's out there wanting to read anything that's inspirational, 
get get your hands on some of his quotes from his selected yes. writings. Yeah. Pretty empowering. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's awesome. very applicable even in today's society. Yes, I agree. Thank you. So all right. What are your favorite Kodai resources? These could be like print, online, whatever. So I have to go old school, I guess, because <laughs> I could not teach without the 150 folk songs American Sing by mm-hmm. Peter Airday. Could that when I started teaching, that was the Bible. That was my go-to. Like, my copy is falling apart. Um, so that one is hugely important. The other one that I really like and that I still use today, and I'm even delving more into the depths of what it has to offer, is the 120 Singing Games for Elementary School by Lois Choksi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very pricey, and I know that. I've had mine for 20-some-odd years. But what she has in that book, besides just the songs – is the sequence of how to teach movement to your kids. And um, I've done a lot of studying and writing and reading and um, some presenting on that sequence of teaching movement and dance. And I'm just intrigued by it because our kids don't know how to move Mm -hmm. like they did years and years ago when they would have, you know, the play parties or when they would go to church activities and there would be dancing or social gatherings, you know, kids don't know how to make a circle and move outside the circle or inside the circle or a double circle. I mean, we've all tried things and they bombed, right? I mean, let's be honest, you know, (laughs) we tried something new and it totally just like, okay, that didn't go like it planned. Right. And it's happened to me too many times. And upon reflection, I think oftentimes it's because they didn't have the movement piece to how to know to move a double circle because it feels and looks different. The spatial awareness and interpersonal, interpersonal things are so different. Right. So the 120 singing games, check out the library. A lot of libraries have that book I've discovered. So if you're intrigued by it, see if you can get your hands on it. Or eBay, I found cheaper copies of. It's really expensive, but it's it's really good. And then the last one, if I may take one more, is the Lesson Planning in a Kodai Setting, A Guide to Music Teachers by um, the late Rita Klinger. Yes. Um, that I've used in my teaching um, level three, mm-hmm. and it's been such a good refresher for me to be like, whoa, that's, yeah, I need to make sure that my transitions are solid or that... I'm really focusing on high concentration, low concentration, and, you know, those types of things. So if anyone is interested in really looking at lesson planning, that Rita Klinger book is very, very affordable and really a, a, a pretty quick read, although there's lots of information in it. So yes. I, I'll be honest, I've read mine several times Yeah. Um, to try and get the, to gain all that she's trying to say because there's just a lot in there. And she provides suggestions and examples. Right. And, so I really like that resource, and that's kind of a newer one in the past, I don't yeah. know, maybe five years or so. Yeah, and I've actually used so. it in my levels tra- uh, teaching as well. Um, I'll link yeah. to those three that um, you mentioned in the show notes for those of you listening. Um, and the last one that Carla just suggested, um, if you're an OAKE member, I believe you can buy it at a discount on their website. It's a really great I read. think you're correct. Yeah. 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 Great. All right, so you've talked a little bit about this already, but um, how do you see the Kodai philosophy fitting into today's classroom with today's technology and today's initiatives? Like you talked a little bit about STEM or STEAM. Um, So how do you see the philosophy philosophy fitting in? In my experience, it actually has been a pretty easy fit. Um, What we do in our classrooms is so engaging to the students and really is higher level thinking skills already, which I think is what the STEM and the PBL, the um, problem-based or product-based learning initiatives are trying to do is to get kids to think deeper and apply things to other situations. 
and in our classrooms, it, it's called something different, and you have to think through, you know, like the prepare, present, and practice right. falls into the other, you know, the, the STEM initiative and the PBL stuff, but it's called different things. And depending on what your district or you personally have delved into, you just have to look at that and tweak it maybe a little bit, the words, if you will, for your mm-hmm. administrators or for your board or wherever you're going. Um, I think that the... Uh, Four C's, um, we've also spent a lot of time dealing with the collaboration, the communication, the creativity, and the critical thinking mm-hmm. parts of what 21st century learning skills are, and those are happening in our music classrooms all the time. We just have to be aware and look at how we're asking the questions and how we're establishing the routines and letting the kids talk amongst themselves a little bit more and letting them have a little bit more of the um, – power um, as to what's happening in the classroom. That was hard for me to let go of some of those things because I was like, I want it. We only have 40 minutes. I've got to get through. Right. But I've learned if I let go and let them be more independent learners for me and make mistakes, they learn more and it stays with them longer. Yeah. You know, Um, huge proponent of bringing technology into the classroom, but only when it is to enhance your lesson. Don't bring in technology just for the sake of using a Chromebook or using an iPad. Right. Um, that, you know, you have to be, you have to be picky. Not every lesson do I do something like that. And I'm sure you're the same way. Right. Um, the internet has really opened up a lot of possibilities of showing other things from around the world. That was the first thing that I was like, wow, YouTube's a pretty amazing resource mm-hmm. just to show, you know, some examples of the Nutcracker Ballet, my second graders go right before Christmas to see the ballet. And I was able to bring in examples from different cultures and different genres and show them these things that I never had the ability to do before. So I think it opens up the world to you, but only when it enhances your lesson. Right. Great. All right. So my last question for you today is what is (laughs) the best advice you can give someone who's interested in Kodai and would like to learn more? Um, I think the best advice is to get out there and see other teachers, go to workshops, talk to people and see what they're doing in their classroom and see what their resources are that they have that they're using. Um, there's no one way to do this Kodai philosophy thing. Mm -hmm. I think that is awesome because we all are different people. We all have different experiences and we all bring unique things to the classroom. Some things we're better at, some things we're not. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. But go out there and see what's out there. And I know we've talked a lot about going to conferences, going to workshops, and just experiencing some other things. Do a visitation. I've come up and observed you teach in your classroom. You know, I'll take some things home from that. You know, big or small, it doesn't matter. If you're just starting out, just get your feet wet. Go and see some things. And then go back to your classroom and try one thing new. Right. Don't set yourself up for failure being like, I'm going to rewrite all of my first grade lessons. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's setting yourself up for failure. Right. Try and you know, incorporate one or two little things this week and see how that goes. And then incorporate maybe another one in a different grade level the next week. And pretty soon, if you've been trying these new things, things are going to start to flow. And it's, you know, you'll see some great success for yourself as a teacher, but also for your students learning. And then if you're interested in it, go find a program and, you know, take a levels course. They're all over the country. There's some amazing teachers out there. Yes. And I will link to, um, as well in the show notes, a uh, list of Kodai, uh, like OAKE endorsed programs for those of yeah. you who are looking for um, programs. All, there's to some te- amazing to... people all over the country. Yes. 
yeah, there are some really wonderful programs. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about the Kodai philosophy or about the Kodai inspired classroom? go try some things. Don't be afraid. You know, you're not going to hurt anybody. You know, so one lesson doesn't go so well. Okay. You know, go back and try again the next time. Any joyful experience for your students is a joyful experience. It may not go exactly as you had wanted it to go, but that doesn't mean it was all bad for them. So go out there and try it and uh, find joy. Enjoy it yourself as a teacher. And then your kids will definitely enjoy it as well. So yeah. And before, before we uh, started recording, Carla and I were talking about how you know, sometimes you just try something, even after 18, 19, 20 years of teaching, you try something and sometimes it doesn't go very well. But I think yep. to just keep trying, even after yep. you've been teaching a while, it's good to still experiment and, you know, see how things go. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for talking to us today. It was awesome. As I knew, I knew you, you would be awesome and it was great oh. talking to you. Um, can well, you tell, great pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Can you tell us you have a blog? I believe I do cmajorlearning.com c as in the letter c or Shermansky, majorlearning.com and also there's some stuff on teachers pay teachers by the same name if anybody did and find anything else yep so if you just search c major learning on teachers pay teachers as well I've, I actually just used your write the room activity with my first graders and they love it oh yay <laughs> awesome awesome so, that's um, great. Thank you so much, Carla. I really um, appreciated you talking to us today, and have a great day. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that's given you a better idea of what a typical Kodai-inspired classroom looks like, and thanks again to Carla for being on the podcast. If you're looking for the show notes, you can find them by going to my blog at www.mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com, and then if you click Podcasts, You can go to podcast number two and find uh, the links and the information that Carla talked about, like the resources that she mentioned. If you can do me a favor, if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to um, have you leave a review in iTunes so that more music teachers can find the podcast. And while you're there, go ahead and click subscribe so you can hear the next podcast. I'm really excited about my next podcast since today we talked about the Kodai philosophy In my next podcast, I'll be talking to David Rao from Make Moments Matter about the OR philosophy. Um, So if you hit subscribe, then you're going to be able to hear the next uh, podcast. It'll just show up in your podcast feed. And while I'm talking about David, he actually just started a podcast called Make Moments Matter. If you search that in the iTunes store, then you'll find it. Um, He has one podcast out as I'm recording this song, Looby Lou, and I really enjoyed it. I just listened on my drive home today, and it was um, really informational. I really want to use that song now with my kindergarten and first graders, and um, it was also quite entertaining. He's a funny guy, so make sure to check that out. Thank you so much for listening today, and have a wonderful day.